0: As we kick off the sermon series again, let me invite your attention to 1 Samuel chapter 17 as we look at God's Word, the story of David and Goliath. We're going to look at that again in a couple of weeks, and so we'll refresh ourselves there. But this morning, as we think about practicing solitude, it's a new year. There are many of us in this room probably have set New Year's resolutions or goals that you might call them, and they say about a third of Americans will do that. And so when you look at those, it's interesting when you kind of perspective of what they are every single year two of them always stay the same the top one always is going to be physical fitness i want to lose weight or want to eat better or want to get in better shape want to take care of myself so physical fitness is always there a second one is always at the top as well as dealing with finances how can we get our finances in order how can we save more money how can we get on a budget it's like a guy one time who said said he was a gunman and he, he was going to rob a guy And so he put the gun to the guy and said, I want you to give me all your money. And the guy said, you can't do that. I'm a U.S. congressman. So the gunman said, well, give me all my money then. And so we we want money. We want to make sure that we have a budget and we're doing better financially this year than we did last year. But the third one I thought was really interesting this year, the top three, physical fitness, finances. And the third one this year was dealing with mental health. There are many people who are saying in 2024, I just got to get to a better place. I've got to handle stress differently. I've got to deal with anxiety differently. I've got to deal with depression differently. I just need a new 2024. I need help when it comes to mental health. And we're seeking to do those very things. Well, as you think about this first sermon in the series, Practicing Solitude, if you want to see the Lord change your life, you make a commitment in your relationship with him that you're going to take the posture of Mary And you're going to sit at his feet and listen to him. And I promise you, on the first Sunday of 2024, it will change your life. I promise you that. As you look at David in 1 Samuel chapter 17, the story of David and Goliath, how could this shepherd boy have the courage and the perspective to be able to take on this giant named Goliath? from a place called gath how could he do that he could do that because he understood solitude time alone with the lord listening to god's voice understanding who he was in the lord and then for the lord to equip him to do what god wanted david to do it came out of solitude and many people again and i would agree in psalm 71 talking about the psalmist he just says here in verse 17 of psalm 71 oh lord for my youth you have taught me and again there's this idea of solitude I still proclaim your wondrous deeds, so even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation and your power to all those to come. How could David still want to be able to proclaim the might of God and the power of God to the next generation? I believe it came out of his solitude, his personal time alone with the Lord. And if you and I want to continue to be used, I look around, I think in this room, there are many of us in this room, we're in a third and fourth quarter of life. And if we're going to see God use us, if we want to make a difference in this next generation, we should get along with the Lord and say, Lord, how do you want to use me in this next generation to proclaim your might and power to those who are to come? How do we do that? Well, as we think about solitude, I want you to write these three questions down. They're not on the outline, but they're important when it comes to spending time alone with the Lord Jesus Christ and sitting at his feet and listening to his teaching. But I want you to think about these three questions. The first question is this, are we too connected? We're the most connected generation you've ever seen in history. But I'd also say this, we may be the most disconnected generation that we've ever seen in history as well. Research says this, that the average person checks his or her phone every 12 minutes. That's about 80 times a day. When you think about electronic devices, we we drive with them, we walk with them, we we live with them, we work with them. We're always connected somewhere else, almost 24-7. And if I ask you about your electronic devices, let me ask you this. How long can you go without your electronic devices? And that may say a lot to you and me, whether uh, the control of devices control us or we control them. How long can you go and how much time are you spending online versus how much time are you spending reading and praying and studying the word of God? What kind of balance is that? And I know, again, all of us in our work worlds and careers, we're going to be on electronic devices. But how do we manage them? Are we too connected? Let me ask you this next question are we working ourselves to death? There was a study I I read again the other day and it just said in a particular year there were 768 million vacation days that were left unused by American workers. How many of us just don't even take all of our vacation days, time away with rest and to get replenished and refreshed even in that? How many of us just don't do that? When you look at the life of Lord Jesus Christ, he got away from the crowds, he got into a solitary place, he got to mountains, the Apostle Paul did the same thing. They understood what it meant to rest and relax and replenish. But how many of us even go on a vacation and we come back from the vacation tired because of everything that we've been doing on the vacation? How many of us do that? So are we too connected, but also are we working ourselves to death? The third question is this. Do we know the difference between loneliness, isolation, and solitude? They are extremely different. As I would say again, be careful about isolation because the enemy wants to do everything he can to isolate you and me. He knows that if he can isolate us, the chance to destroy your life increases for him. He's like a roaring lion seeking someone whom he can devour. Be careful about isolation. Loneliness. Many people again, when you look at social media and the effects of that, there's some good things related to social media. But when you look at social media, many times we find ourselves comparing ourselves to other people. Say, my life doesn't look like that person. I don't have those experiences. I don't look like that. And then we find ourselves in this comparison game. And then we find ourselves feeling worthless in life. Then my life doesn't mean anything. I have no worth, no purpose, no direction. And then we find ourselves finding ourselves feeling extremely lonely at times in life even though we have all these friends and these followers we still feel lonely what is the difference solitude is something you say in the lord i value relationships in my life with other people i continue to want to meet with people and walk with people and fellowship with people There comes a time, whether it's early in the mornings or during the middle of the day or at night, Lord, I just need to say and to pull away from all the stuff of life and I just need to sit at your feet and listen to your teachings. That's what Mary did. What about you and me? When you look at the life of the Lord Jesus, he'd get up in the morning before it ever came daylight. He'd go off to a solitary place and there he would pray. He was getting ready to make major decisions of his life. He went to a mountainside and he spent the entire night praying. The Apostle Paul, saved on the road to Damascus, called into the gospel ministry. What did he do in the beginning? He didn't start classes and teaching. He went to Arabia where he got alone with the Lord and the Lord taught him to be an effective servant of the gospel ministry. What about you and me? Now, I want you to look at your outline. Why is solitude needed? I want you to walk through these things and we're gonna see these from the life of David as we look at God's word in First Samuel 17, As we think about this, why is solitude needed? Why do we need that on the first Sunday of 2024? As your pastor, why do I need that in my own life? Why do I need to sit at his feet, listen to his teaching? Why do I need to practice solitude in my relationship with him? I want to give you these. Number one, we face sizable problems. First Samuel 17, the sizable problem was a man by the name of Goliath. He was a giant. He was extremely big. The coat of mail that was on him was so impressive. He was intimidating the people of God. He was intimidating Saul. They were living in fear of him. They faced a sizable problem, and his name was Goliath, and he was a giant. Look at number one. Here's what I would encourage us when you think about solitude. Name our giants. Can you name the giants that are threatening you in your life, intimidating you, causing you to live in fear in your relationship with the Lord? What are those? Here's some examples. There are people in this room, there are people who are watching somewhere around the world. You are giving cancer the fight of your life. It's a giant for you in life. There are others of you, you're looking at this new year, you came out of 2023 and it won't be long, the mailbox credit cards are going to be there and you're facing significant financial debt and you're saying how are we going to make it this year how are we going to provide the bills inflation continues to get higher paychecks seem to go less and less how are we going to get out of this financial mess that we're in it is a giant for you in your life there are others your marriage is not where you thought it should be your marriage is facing turbulence and a storm and you look at it and you say, Lord, how can we just get along and have peace in our marriage but in our family? It's a giant for you in life. There are other folks, you're dealing with a job situation, already makes your stomach churn to think about work tomorrow. And how do you find peace in the midst of your vocation? How do you find direction? Maybe you want you to go in a different way, but how do you find peace even when it comes to what you do for a living? Then to be honest with many of us, it may be to say, when you look at your relationship with the Lord, your relationship, even the first Sunday of a new year is dry and seems rather distant. And to say, Lord, how can I have the freshness and the fire and the passion that I once had in my relationship, my walk with you? Lord, things just seem to be dry and distant. And I don't want to go through 2024 that way. Just name your giants in life. For the people of Israel, for David, there was no question, his name was Goliath. Look at number two, hear God's voice. As you think about naming your giants, then you need to be in a position to hear the voice of God. I believe David, when he understood the giant named Goliath, intimidating Saul, intimidating the people of Israel, I believe David heard the voice of God in life. And to say, David, I'm going to be with you. Just as you have been fighting lions and bears, I'm going to use you to defeat this giant named Goliath. You need to hear the voice of God. I I appreciate the counsel of other people in life. I, I seek that. When I get ready to make a major decision or going in a different direction, I'll seek out the counsel of other people because there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. But there comes a time in life at a certain point, I don't really need to hear from other people. I need to hear what God says about that situation. And so you want to get along with him. You want to find your place in a place of solitude and to say, Lord, I need to hear your voice. I need your direction. I need to know your will. I need to know what you want. Is my yes on the table? Do I need to go that direction, walk away from this? God, I am desperate to hear your voice. And I believe that's why Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teachings because she was desperate to hear his voice. I encourage you in 2024, make sure you identify your giants because they're gonna come to you in life, but also make sure you put yourself in a position that you hear the voice of God. 1 Samuel chapter three, verse nine says, speak Lord, for your servant is listening. I would encourage you in the mornings, during the day, at night, whenever it is you're gonna be alone with him, driving down the road, whatever it may be, just voice that prayer to him. Speak Lord, I am your servant Please speak to me because I'm listening to what you want to say to me. One of the reasons we need solitude is because we are facing sizable problems. Look at number two. We need God's help. Every one of us in this room, every person watching, we are not self-sufficient. We think we are. That's what pride says. Every one of us, we need the help of the Lord in life. If you're going to navigate this world and you're going to have a great marriage and a great family and you're you're going to live the abundant lives that Jesus promised and you're going to see fruit in your spiritual life with him, you are desperate for God's help in your life. You need him. And so as you think about everything that God's created, you look at animals and then you look at the stars in the sky and the sun, the moon, you think about the ocean. time we're out in California last week and I'm mesmerized by the Pacific Ocean, seeing the coast, driving up Highway 1, just seeing those gigantic waves. That didn't just happen, that is the creation of God. And so, even though we see that, we praise Him because of who He is. And then you look at your life and you look at your hands and everything about your life and to realize you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God created you and has given you life and He wants a relationship with you. And so, when you think about that, we need the help of God in life. So, why do we practice solitude? Well, we need God's help. And why does He want to spend time with you? Why would He want to spend time with me? Of all the people in the world, from nations around the world, why would he want to spend time with me every single morning? Here's why. Let me give you these two. Number one, it's a relationship. Solitude is about a relationship. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. He wants an intimate, growing relationship with every single one of us. And when you get alone with him and you put yourself in a position to hear his teachings, you're sitting at his feet, he's going to show you how much he loves you He's going to reveal his truth to you. He's going to show you the will he has for you in life. You get that because of a relationship with Almighty God and you spend quality time with him in a place of solitude. It's about deepening a relationship, deeper and deeper and deeper. He wants that kind of intimate, growing relationship with you. If your relationship with him is like that, that is not what God desires. He desires intimacy with you in life and solitude produces intimacy with Jesus. It's about a relationship. Second word is preparation. When you get alone with him and you listen to him and you sit before him, He is preparing you for your purpose in life. And you say, well, if I get along with him in the mornings or the, during the day or at night, what in the world am I going to do? I encourage you to get along with him. We'll talk more about a place here in just a moment. But get alone with him, and here's what you're going to do. You're going to pray. You're going to have a conversation with him. You're going to open his word, look into his face, and read the counsel of God's word. You're going to remember who he is, what he's done in your life, and what he's done in history. You're going to confess your sins before him. You may even find yourself journaling things he's teaching you. You may, you may start singing to him, but you are seeing Jesus do something in your life. He is preparing you so He wants to use you in the days ahead. It's a relationship, but it's also a step of preparation because we need the help of the Lord in our lives. That's why I encourage you. That's why I want to do this in 2024 myself. Lord, I want to get away with you. I want to be still before you. I want to know that you're God because I desire this relationship intimate relationship but also i want to make sure every door you open for me this year i want to make sure i am prepared to walk through that door look at number three we learn spiritual lessons what do you need for god to teach you in 2024 some things you're going to learn from him that are only going to come because you practice solitude you get along with him I believe there were things in David's life as he was getting ready to face this giant named Goliath. I believe there were reasons that he said, listen, y'all may be running in fear, but I come against him in the name of the Lord God Almighty. I think God had taught David some incredible spiritual lessons that he stood face to face with that giant, not in fear, not intimidated, but with courage. Why? Because he'd been alone with the Lord and the Lord had taught him these lessons and David was going to put them into practice. I could give you many examples to this but I want to give you two as my time of solitude with the Lord over the years here are two major lessons the Lord has taught me in my time with Him number one, how to listen to Him if you're going to live the abundant life of Christ and you're going to see Him use you in your life you need to learn how to listen to His voice There there are thousands of messages coming our way in life but how do you hear His voice? How do you hear his gentle whisper, that still small voice to know this is not someone in the world. This is the Lord God Almighty. And he's speaking into my life. One of the greatest lessons the Lord has ever taught me in the Christian life is how to listen to him. And I would encourage you as a child, as a teenager, as somebody, a young adult, somebody with a lot of experience in life, never stop listening for his voice. What does he want to say to you? What does he want to do in your life? Listen to him. Second lesson is how to wait upon him. If you're going to live the abundant life of Christ and you're going to stay in step with his timing and his leadership, you need to learn how to wait upon him. There are going to be times God's going to open the door, he's going to give you the green light and you're going to walk through that door. There are going to be other times he wants you to wait because everything is not ready for him to work in that situation in your life we got some incredible cooks in this church and imagine this that you're going to bake a cake and you set the timer at 45 minutes you put the cake in the oven and so 45 minutes later the timer goes off and you look at the cake and because you're a great cook a great baker you look at that cake and you say that cake is not ready yet that cake needs a little bit more time in the oven so what do you do? you put the cake back in the oven you give it a little more time then 5 minutes later 10 minutes later the cake's going to be ready When you think about how God works in your life and mine, he puts us in the oven. The timer goes off and God looks at us and says, he or she just not ready yet for the assignment that's coming his or her way. And what does he do? He puts us back in the oven. He calls us to wait a little bit longer because he's getting us ready. He's getting a situation ready because he wants to use us. And sometimes you're only gonna learn how to listen to him and how to wait upon him if you are willing to get alone with him. Again, those are two of the greatest lessons the Lord Jesus has taught me in my walk with him over the years how to listen to him and how to wait upon him. Now for you, what lessons would you write somewhere on your teaching outline to say, God, in 2024, would you teach me and fill the blanks in? Here's what I need to learn from you. Sit at his feet. Number four, we detox our souls. David had a lot of issues in his life. One of the issues for David was his brothers. His brothers were very critical of David. And to say, who have you left those few sheep with? They weren't encouraging to him. They weren't there to build him up. In fact, they were there to tear him down. Who are you? you just, you're just you the youngest. What are you doing down there? What's your motive? What's your desire? What are you trying to do? Who did you leave those sheep with? And again, it was detox for him and when he got along with the lord he had to deal with his brothers and so he's spending time with god and he's finding freedom in his own soul and spirit when i think about detox our souls here are three things i want you to write down that if you'll get along with the lord here's what he's going to do in your life when it comes to your soul your relationship and your spiritual health number one frees us from soul damage how many of us in this room how many of you are watching and you may be a kid, you may be a student, you may be an adult of different ages. How many of you are dealing with stress in your life? It's overwhelming your life, but it's stress. How many of you are dealing with anxiety? It's, it's crippling how you live your life. How many of you are dealing with depression? They're just this cloud over your life and it just can't seem to go away. How many of you are dealing with those things? How many of you are dealing with bitterness? Somebody did something to you and it hurt you, it wounded you, and you are still bitter towards that other person. How many of us are dealing with that? The Lord didn't call us to go through life that way. In John chapter eight, verse 32, John chapter eight, verse 36, it says what? You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. The Lord Jesus Christ in 2024 doesn't mean we're not gonna have pressures and storms and trials and adversity, but he wants you and me living a free life in the Christian life. And when you get along with him, it just frees the soul from damage related to stress or anxiety, depression, bitterness, anger, whatever it may be. You deal with that when you get along with him. Second one, strips the soul of pride anybody in this room deal with pride when you get along with the lord you sit at his feet you listen to him you're able to see yourself you're able to see god for who he is but you're also able to see yourself as who you are when i look at isaiah chapter six isaiah saw the holiness the greatness of god but what did he also see he saw himself he was a mess And he realized that he was living among sinful people and he had sinned himself. And he needed the grace and the forgiveness of God in his life. So when you get along with God and you spend time with him, it just strips the soul of pride. You see his greatness. You see your desperation and need. And what happens in that, you surrender your life to him because you start depending on him for everything. It's not a prideful spirit. It's a heart of humility after that. And then number three, it protects the soul from disease. When you think about your relationship with him and you think about how the enemy works and you see the word of God, again, does does the enemy want to build you up or tear you down? You know this, but let me just make sure you know. The enemy does not want to build you up. The enemy wants to tear you down. He wants to destroy your life, your marriage, your family, this church. He wants to destroy anyone connected to the Lord God Almighty. Does the enemy want you serving the Savior or serving yourself? The enemy doesn't want you serving Jesus. He doesn't want you sitting at the Lord's feet. He wants you to serve yourself. But when you look at solitude, you say, Lord, it's about you. It's not about me. I am desperate to hear you and protect my soul from disease because I want to make sure I'm living a fruitful, abundant Christian life in Jesus. It happens when we do what? When we spend time in solitude with Him. Work for David works for you and me look at number five we discover God's purposes when you think about the life of David in Acts chapter 13 an incredible story it says in Acts chapter 13 verse 36 for David after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption David died but he died after what he had served the Lord's purpose in his life for his generation. If you want to discover the purpose of God for your life in 2024, the purpose of God for your life, why did he save you and leave you here? What does he want to do in your life? How does the heavenly father want to use you? How how can you bear fruit, much fruit, more fruit for him? You spend time with him in solitude, listening to his voice and you're going to see God start revealing his love for you, truth to you, but also his will to you. It comes out of spending time with him now David we're going to see here in a couple weeks when he found himself face to face with Goliath this giant what did David do he went down to the valley of Elah and he picked up five smooth stones as I think about 1 Samuel 17 I've had the opportunity of standing in a brook in the valley of Elah in Israel standing in that valley standing in this brook Mountain on this side, mountain on this side—an incredible experience. Standing there, reading 1 Samuel seventeen, the story of David and Goliath, in the very place that this story revealed itself and happened. I remember the first time I was there. We we landed in Tel Aviv. We got on a bus, and we got on a bus and immediately went out to the Valley of Elah. our first stop. We had a lot coming after seven, eight more days of that. We're standing out there. We get, drive out to the Valley of Elab. We get off the bus. We walk down this path. We're standing again before these two mountain ranges. And here we are in the valley, standing in this brook. And I reach down and pick up a rock. I'm standing there reading First Samuel 17, and as we finish that, we start walking our way back to the bus. We'd, we'd only been in Israel about two hours. We're walking back to the bus. One of the deacons who was with me came up and said, Pastor, I don't know what we're gonna do the rest of the days, but he said, but if we went back to the airport and got on the plane and we went home just after visiting the Valley of Allah, it would have been worth the trip just to do that. It's an incredible, incredible place. But David used these five stones and I want to give you these five challenges over the next seven days of your life and I want to take this challenge in my own life. So, I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not willing to do, but I want to give you these five challenges. This applies to kids, it applies to students, it applies to adults, it applies to people in the room, it applies to people who are watching online somewhere around the world. But these five challenges, if you're going to get alone with Him, sit at His feet, and listen to Him, take these five challenges over the next seven days of your life. Here's number one locate a special place. Where do you spend time with the Lord at? Every house that Angie and I have moved to, uh, we'd pray about that house and I would just discern, Lord, where in this house is there gonna be a place that early in the mornings before daylight, I'm gonna be able to get along with you and away with you, sit with an open Bible, write with a pencil and piece of paper and write what you wanna teach me and show me. If you went to our house, I have a special place that I meet with the Lord every single morning. And I would encourage you to have a place that's free of distractions where you can sit at his feet, you can listen to him, you can read the Word, you can pray, you can sing, you can be still, you confess your sin, you can remember who he is, but locate a special place for you. Number two, put down electronic devices this is hard this is not easy in our generation it's not hard in our, it's not easy in our day but i want to encourage you at least for maybe 30 minutes or an hour a day can you put down electronic devices and just sit with an open bible and listen to what the lord wants to say to you that's hard but I encourage you, if you say, well, I need an electronic device to take notes, I want to encourage you to go old school. Get a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen. Because here's the temptation. If you're sitting there with an electronic device and all of a sudden you get a text message or an email or something, what are you doing? Your, your mind already goes in, the electronic device. I need to check that. I, you know, I want to miss out, so I need to check that. I just encourage you over the next seven days, 30 minutes a day, an hour a day, whatever it may be. Put down the electronic devices and get alone with the Lord in a special place desiring to hear him speak into your life. Number three, listen for God's direction. When you're alone with him, you don't have to do all the talking. If you'll be still, he'll reveal himself to you. Listen for his direction. What does he want to do in your life in 2024? How does he want to change your life in 2024? 2024? Does he want to open the doors? He want to close the doors. He wants you to go this direction. Does he wants you to do this. Get alone with him and listen for his direction for you. He's not playing hide and seek with you and me. He wants to give us direction. Get alone and listen for his direction. Number four: Write down God's insights. Do you realize how quick we forget stuff? I mean, I could be thinking about something that I don't remember. I had someone tell me about an issue this morning that I want to make sure I minister to this week. And I said, can you get me a piece of paper and a pencil? I need to write this down. Because if not, I'll have 20 other conversations between there and here. And I, very well, I could miss that and, and, and not remember that. So I took it on a piece of paper, came back, a notepad that I've got, put it on that notepad. So the next day or so, I can follow up with that need and that request. Write down God's insight. And I would encourage you, pencil, ink pen, piece of paper, write down what God wants to teach you and show you in your life. Just write it down. And then number five, experience a personal revival. Does our nation need a revival? Absolutely. Our nation needs spiritual awakening. We need the gospel to make a difference in the lives of people when you look at your marriage does your marriage need revival when you look at your family your family need revival when we look at this church or churches in general do we need revival but let me ask you this what about your soul your relationship your walk with the Lord Jesus do you need revival in your own life if you need revival in your life and I need God to revive me then you need to practice solitude in your life get alone with him and let him speak into your life so that you will experience a personal revival from the Lord Jesus himself He downpours on your life when you get along with Him. You need to do that. So I just want to encourage you, take these five steps over the next seven days of your life and to say, Lord, I want to practice solitude and I want to live these out. may not be easy. may be tempted to do something different, but over the next seven days, just get along with the Lord somewhere every day of your life in a special place. Put down the electronic devices. Listen to what he wants to say to you. Write it down and then experience a fresh movement of the Holy Spirit in your life revival and see Jesus change your life. As we come to a time of invitation, 50 years ago, we could have walked up to just about anybody and said, are you saved? And they would have known what we just said. We can walk up to many people in our day and say, are you saved? And they wouldn't even know what we're talking about. But when I say this morning, are you saved? It means do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you been born again? Have you been redeemed? Do you know that you're gonna go to heaven? At one point you were dead in your sins, but through Jesus Christ, you can be alive in him. One time you lived in spiritual darkness, but you can live in spiritual light because he is the light of the world. Have you been saved? Have you been born again? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you need to respond in this invitation and say yes to Jesus this morning? There are many people who would look at it and say, "You know, I would respond to in an invitation. Our pastoral team is going to be here. I'm going to be down here. Prayer team is going to be on each side as well. We want you to respond and be obedient to him. But many people say, I'd respond, but I just don't know what to say. Well, if the Holy Spirit's convicting you, come forward and say, I need to be saved. That's all you need to say. We'd share with you from the Word of God how to be saved. Come forward and say, I need to be baptized. I need to be obedient to Christ. We'll share with you what biblical baptism means and lead you to obey the leadership of Christ. I want to join the fellowship of this church. Come forward and just say, I need to be a member of this church. We will help you do that. Just come forward and say, I need to, I need to follow Jesus in ministry. He's calling me, and my yes needs to be on the table. Obey his leadership. Then sometimes people say, well, you know, when... I would come forward an in invitation, but I don't really see a need to do so because I think I'm going to go to heaven when this life is over. Don't, don't think maybe or, or maybe you will. Know that you will. Uh, there was a survey done not long ago asked people in America, do you believe that you're going to go, go to heaven? And the majority of people said yes. And then the follow-up question is, if you said yes, why do you believe you're going to go to heaven? And the overwhelming majority said this, I am a good person. You realize good people die and spend eternity separated from Christ? Saved people go to heaven. People who've turned from their sin, trust to the Lord Jesus Christ, His death, burial, resurrection, surrender their lives, they sinned against Him. Saved people go to heaven, not good people go to heaven. And so in this invitation, just come and say, I need to know that I'm going to go to heaven. Now, prayerfully, when you get saved, you're going to live a good life. But good works will not get you to heaven. Religious deeds will not get you to heaven. Jesus will get you to heaven. And then sometimes people say, you know, I'm going to respond in imitation because uh, maybe I'll do it one of these days when I get things in life together. I just encourage you on the first Sunday of 2024, don't delay, don't procrastinate. Don't put it off. I wonder how many people are gonna die and spend eternity in hell separated from Christ because they said one day I will make that decision, but one day never came. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse two says, today is the day of salvation. So I wanna encourage you in this invitation. If you need to give your life to Christ, you need to follow him in baptism. You need to join the fellowship of this church. You need to say yes to his call in ministry or you just need to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Step out from where you're gonna stand. Walk down one of these aisles. We're gonna be standing here. You can come and pray. And as we think about how blessed we are to have his assurance, you can just say, Lord, take me deeper, save me, let me obey you, let me be a part of this church. Yes to your call in my life. Lord Jesus, I'm coming to you. And see him work in your life. Let's bow our heads together. The invitation doesn't mean necessarily the service is almost over. It just means that here's an opportunity for us publicly to respond to Jesus. And I want to encourage you right now. If you don't know Christ here in just a moment, walk down one of these aisles. Let us share with you from God's word how to be saved and how to know him, how to have the assurance of going to heaven. You need to be baptized. Walk down one of these aisles. Let us share with you the next step in obeying the leadership of Christ in baptism. You need to join the fellowship of this church? Why not the first Sunday of the year? Walk down and say, I want to be a part of this church. That's where God's feeding me at, using me at, leading me to. I want want to be here. Ministry, say yes to him. Or just to say in 2024, I just want to go deeper with Jesus. Over the next seven days, been given a challenge, and I want to live that out and do that over the next seven days. And you just need the Lord's help. Come and tell him that. Now, Lord Jesus, we've been able to sing to you. We've been able to open the word and preach your truth. And by the Holy Spirit's leadership, we give an invitation today for those in the room and those who are watching. And Lord Jesus, I pray that people will make decisions. They'll come to you and they'll experience how blessed your assurance is. Lord, we're here to serve. We don't change a heart or a life. Only the Lord does that. But Lord, use us to help people draw near to you and experience your grace and forgiveness and then to experience life change as they make a commitment to spend time with you over the next seven days of life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen.